Okay, hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Yeah, yeah, oh my it's gosh. It's 2020. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. How is it starting out so far? Pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday we went and played Usual. some Wizards Unite. That was fun. We did. Yeah. Got to hang out, did some Fortresses, some Dark Fivers, did some uh, Dark Detectors. Yeah, we have a Frosty Foundable event in Wizards Unite starting on Tuesday, the mm. 7th. So, I don't know, we were trying to play the runestones with some strategy, and yes. people were like, hey, let's do Dark Detectors. And we're like, okay, cool. Yep. I do think that... Dark Detectors was my idea. <laughs> it was your idea. In the chat, yeah, because okay. I always <laughs> love Dark Detectors. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah, we got a Pensieve, Hagrid, some other <laughs> things. It was good. Mm-hmm. Anything else going on? You're just getting ready for uh, the semester. We have this like backdrop for oh. all of our visual viewers. Oh. Our background has a lot of Harry Potter the stuff backdrop. that we found over winter. Well, for me, winter break. Yeah. It was nice. Kind of, mm -hmm. I mean, holiday break. I had a couple days off. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. A lot of Walgreens half off. People probably saw some of the uh, updates. Mm -hmm. And you, it was in the uh, most recent video. Mm-hmm. But why are we here today? Um, we're doing a kind of special episode. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure how to name it or title it or what <laughs> even to use the numbers, but it's going to be our episode, you know, on the whole first book. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a th trying to find some theme to talk about it in its entirety. You know, who knows if we'll do this one well. If we do, <laughs> who knows if we'll do the other six well. But uh, I think it's an interesting thought and then our hope is to premiere it later today so yeah so instead out. of like a specific lesson so each chapter is a lesson that we learn from the chapter this is kind of like a cross yeah. and um yeah and so our, do you you want to go ahead and tell us well sure so i th we settled on the theme pretty quick mm -hmm. early on actually while we were still reading the book um and it's basically it's a kind of an obvious theme to some extent because it's about the philosopher's stone alchemy yeah and uh, so in the UK versions and probably other versions as well, besides the US versions, uh, it is called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yes. As opposed to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which is what we have in the US. Yeah. And the Philosopher's Stone has a longer history and connections to alchemy, neither of which we are particularly well informed about, but we did do some research and started started looking at connections here so what do you want to start us off well yeah so i'm just going to say like the this idea i think for the or what we're talking about with alchemy actually came before we started the podcast and mm -hmm. so it 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 became this like how do we work this in so we i'm saying this because we had started looking into this a little bit before yeah um and then of course like now leading up to this episode we really got into it but I think it's. I think we're gonna have some interesting topics to oh, man. explore. Huh? Wands ready? Oh no, we don't have wands ready. Ah. <laughs> we're just diving in. That's, yes, that's how ready. it's appropriate. Yeah. So, um, J.K. Rowling's American editor um, mm. came to her and uh, said basically that for marketing purposes and whatever, because uh, our version is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> That apparently uh, they were looking for a title that said magic more um, like overtly to American readers. 
and the suggested title and so this is actually from jk rowling a bibliography (laughs) (laughs) the suggested title was harry potter and the school of magic wow and she was like nah that doesn't really sound right to me (laughs) (laughs) and so then she actually suggested Sorcerer's Stone instead, and they're like, all right, let's go with it. So that is why we have the two different titled versions for the mm-hmm. British-English version. Sorcerer's Stone is much better English version. than School of Magic. School of Magic, like, yeah. yeah. Very, like... <laughs> well, because it's not even... If we're talking about the Philosopher's Stone, because also the idea was like, well, maybe people don't know the story of the philosopher's stone i didn't know what the philosopher's stone was prior to like actually looking through the historical context it, but yeah not it's not, not something that's near. common in no, mythology or really. lore or whatever not for us at least no. yeah 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 i mean i think you're right it did happen before we started the podcast because initially in the early brainstorming sessions, it was going to be that we were going to cover an entire book for every episode or or maybe maybe not one chapter per episode, but just because of how many chapters there are. And we thought maybe it would be fun, you know, to do Harry Potter and then cover other books that we like. Uh, but that didn't make sense. I mean, I think some of the other podcasts that we listened to really taught us like, no, you should do smaller grain sizes. But we always wanted to circle back around because I, I got really enthusiastic when I started to find things about the magnum opus, um, which is in alchemy is kind of the concept and forgive me for all the things that I get wrong about this. Anyone who knows more about this than I do. Um, but it's the concept of transformation. So, Magnum opus, like at the end of the magnum opus is the philosopher's stone in alchemy, typically. So there are, it seems like some maybe debates about whether or not that's an allegory, like the philosopher's stone is allegorical. That is where I went when I was doing my research towards Mm. the psychological Carl Jung, like doing some psychological, analytical psychology and thinking about the Philosopher's Stone and the Magnum Opus as a journey to self-transformation. Yeah. So backing up just a little bit, like why are we talking about alchemy in the first mm-hmm. place? So, I, I mean, we couldn't talk about, yeah. So we have this alchemy card from the Harry Potter trading card game uh, with Mr. Nicholas Flamel. I mean, <laughs> might not focus, but, and then uh, our Philosopher's Stone and these are connected. But um, I was looking at an interview with J.K. Rowling um, in 1998 And um, so there was this question. I don't remember exactly how it was phrased, but this is her response where she she says, I never wanted to be a witch, but an alchemist. Now that's a different matter. Um, So she says, like, to invent this wizard world, I learned a ridiculous amount about alchemy. Perhaps much of it I'll never use in the books, but I have to know in detail what magic can and cannot do in order to set the parameters and establish the story's internal logic. So it's very much part of this like uh like the bones like the structure of like we have this magical world and of course we have questions about like what works and what doesn't why things happen and we've had discussions about like well it's it might not be that different from non-magical existence but um still like the study of alchemy was very much part of basically the design of harry potter's wizarding world and so that's also a big piece of why so like even though there are 
uh, we might get into things about like literary or like allegorical forms, but it seems like very directly, at least from this quote, that alchemy was for sure a piece of the research. Sure, that yeah, went on. no, I have no trouble with that. I think within alchemy itself, there seems to be people who take it as literal or as allegorical mm-hmm. within alchemy, not the book. I mean, the book is allegorical and magical, so mm-hmm. but, but it's, a, it's a work of fiction, so I'm all right with that. I think it's, uh, I thought the more that I read into it, the more I grew more certain that without having even heard that quote, that she was intentional in some of her decisions, the orderings, the stages, the process that Harry goes through. And for me, the way that I interpreted this, I'm going to read a little bit of things that I've researched just so I don't uh, mix ideas up. So this is from a couple different websites that we'll link. Uh, the magnum opus is the process through which an individual realizes a state of spiritual and psychological wholeness through this process that was previously frag that which was previously fragmented and broken is restored and synthesized so that a whole and unique individual emerges an individual who fully accept and is one with him or herself an individual who is fully authentic and embraces his or her destiny. It is a movement away from being a pawn in the hands of fate to consciously collaborating in the realization of one's own destiny. So it just strikes me that I think that J.K. Rowling uses magical, magic, Harry's magical self, and its separation to set up this type of unification, right? That the Dursleys have essentially like ripped part of Harry's identity away from him and tried to hide it from him. And so in this, uh, we start out with a Harry that in my opinion is fragmented. Yes, it's not necessarily a self-fragmentation, right? But it's, he's broken by his, his remaining family and lied to about who he is and, you know, what he can do. And, uh, Yeah, even without knowing that magic is real, he makes strange things happen, right? So this is an idea in alchemy in the first stage here of the magnum opus, uh, Nigredo. And it's it's about becoming aware of your unconscious self. And for me, again, like in this story, that's becoming aware of his magical self, right? That he has this other bit to himself so this unconscious self when you're not aware of it like it's it's not like it doesn't exist or happen and he has all these weird things that happen to him in his childhood so it's that's where it sets up for me of this uh kind of journey that harry goes on here where he starts incomplete that's where that's where i started in in the book and understanding its relationship maybe to alchemy yeah, and we also rewatched the first movie yesterday okay. mm-hmm. um, because what was very present as a like arc was uh, Harry's talking to the boa, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I don't know my family either." And then like contrast that with the end, with like um, going back on the Hogwarts Express, going back to Platform Nine and Three Quarters, and they're talking about this idea of home. And Harry's basically like, at that point, already at the end of the story, it's like Harry has found his home. He's found like his family, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like 
in the course of this book, this like little transformative arc of like where we start with Harry's journey and then where we end in just like the course of one year or less than one year and seeing that unfold. Mm-hmm. I can continue or we can jump back and forth. Um, why don't you continue for a little bit? Okay, it's going to be a couple of stages. So yeah, maybe yeah. I'll tell you the Talk whole story this. of the Magnum yeah, yeah, Opus. Yeah. Okay. And what I thought about it. Yeah. So, yeah, this, I thought that this first stage, right, uh, Nigredo, becoming aware of your unconscious self, uh, it culminates with the snake, mm-hmm. the boa constrictor. And I think importantly, it culminates actually with Piers, Polkus, who says Harry was talking to the snake. So it becomes a moment here where Harry is, because he's had all these moments, people, strange people coming up to him on the street, mm-hmm. uh, jumping, and he blames it on the wind. And one of the ideas in the magnum opus here is that like you have a, um, you should be playful, you you should be creative about who you can be and why you can be that way. And so up until this point where Piers says to him, you know, like you were talking to the snake. Uh, I don't think Harry has ever admitted to himself that the weird things that are happening, he's actually doing or capable of. He always dismisses them in Mm -hmm. some strange way. So I'm just Harry. I'm just Harry. (laughs) I'm just Harry. Yeah. And so uh, this is Carl Jung. So the shadow self or the unconscious self is the thing we think the least about the part of ourselves which we repress perhaps the most or which we despise is just the part which contains the mystery. So I, it's obviously these are loose. So it's not going to be like, yes, yeah, she just wrote like what she might have come across in this. Obviously not. She told an incredible story on her own and like it's diverges from this type of process in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Harry uh, is revol- revolted by his, uh, his magical outbursts, I think he doesn't even acknowledge them, right? It's that they're completely, it's just I, I that mm-hmm. I kept coming back actually to the thing where he jumped and landed on the roof and he was like, he just supposed he caught some wind. And it's like, come <laughs> on, Harry is too smart for that, right? So he is yeah. actually repressing the, the possibilities of why he would have ended up there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So. The second stage. So this first stage is about kind of that there is this major separation and you might not even acknowledge the existence of this f- part of yourself that you you uh, don't connect with as much. Mm-hmm. The second stage, which is sometimes called albedo, is a stage of illumination. And it focuses on the development of communication between the conscious and unconscious, or for me, magical Uh, aspects of the psyche so for me the stage kind of very clearly begins with Hagrid (laughs) Mm -hmm. you are a wizard right like you are a wizard so you have to now somebody is directly telling Harry you have a part of yourself that you haven't known about and not only that but your family didn't die the way you think they died you aren't who you think you are like there's a whole mystery of who you are, a whole part of Harry that is separated from himself. And this process here of the magnum opus is about connecting those two parts and making him whole. So at this point, 
it's a development of communication between the conscious Harry and his magical side. So it's Hagrid. It's going to Diagon Alley. That's really symbolic. I feel like he's, he's kind of confronted with all of this being emerged in that, that this is real, right? You, you are a part of this. There are external beings that are also magical. Like you could know them, you, you know, all this sort of stuff. So, uh, it's a, it's a stunning scene for me in Diagon Alley. Like it's, she writes it as like, it's playful. It's like, he's at an amusement park. That's always what I feel like. And it doesn't, you know, it's not surprising that when we've gone to Diagon Alley, it's at an amusement park. There's something about it. Like you're entering this place and it's like, this is fantastically different. Like it's nothing like I would have ever imagined. And, uh, I think then the whole experience of like having the magic, communicate with Harry and Harry communicate with magic culminates then there with Ollivander and the wand. So this is like a direct representation, right? He he is handed something that he experiences communication with, right? Like he, in the movie, they show it like he, I think in the book he does sparks or something fun or something good. But in the movie, they do this like aura. And I think it's a very good visual representation of this. Like, oh, you have two parts of yourself, your hairy self that you've known forever and your magical self here. And this wand gives you the opportunity to recognize that, no, it actually like is one thing. Like you, you have both of these in you. You will do the magic. You are the magic. Like you will do the magic. It's kind of an interesting scene. And like he also then has to confront more of his fate and destiny in that scene because Ollivander, Hagrid tells him a little bit about Voldemort, but Ollivander really establishes a connection between Harry and Voldemort, right? This wand has a twin. This wand's core has a twin, right? The wand has a twin. It's a fascinating scene because up until then, it's sort of... don't uh, Hagrid doesn't necessarily know why Voldemort attacked Harry as a kid, right? There's no connection. Like, he... Oh, I don't know. He's just evil, right? It just happened. But no, there's a destiny at play here. And like your magical, Harry's magical self is working with the destiny here. So that's halfway through. What are you thinking? <laughs> um, well, I have lots of thoughts. I don't know exactly how to weave them in. Um, so you're, I mean, you're talking about stages and uh, the stages are also associated with colors, yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. So that first stage was associated with black. This mm -hmm. current stage is associated with white. And we'll get to another stage um, after that. And um, I'm glad you found this stuff, too. Well, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't sure. We don't talk until we do this. No, we don't. Um, well, because I... So my processing was like going through Pottermore, going through Reddit, going through these random, like, I don't know, like those interview excerpts that I somehow <laughs> found. Um but before I get to that, what I was thinking about is I'm also like watching the uh, director's commentary cut or I, yeah, I watched for The Last Jedi with Ryan Johnson mm -hmm. because something that so, yeah, we're praising and lauding J.K. Rowling all the time for her writing. But something that I find really fascinating is how these framings, these lenses, these ways to make sense of the world are like it's not 
like she owns them. She's just right. another person who's using it. Just like the it, the stories within the Star World uh, Star Wars world are also similar. You might call things like or alluding to the hero's journey, but it's not exactly that. But it's very similar. Of you have individual humans and part of like the Wizarding World specifically, um, and because this is explicitly part of the marketing for Wizards Unite is that be the hero of your own story. And so that's kind of this alchemical process, I guess, of like individual people going through this transformative thing where, um, and Ryan Johnson actually says this when he's talking about Rey in The Last Jedi, she's she's doing this like searching for herself as well. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, there's this scene in the movie where she has the infinite mirror type thing and it's like different versions of herself and so that's what I was thinking about is part of why these stories are so relatable is because it's a lot of the stuff that we just deal with internally we're struggling to find who we are uh, where our place is in the world what we can do to contribute who we can be and that is it's not like a it's not necessarily like a a finality like you're getting to the destination and you've arrived it's like this ongoing cycle that continues to happen over and over and over and so that's what I I find very fascinating just just about storytelling in general and how Mm -hmm. like if we're thinking about alchemy also as part of this like how humans are trying to make sense of themselves then that's also part of this interesting storytelling that's also like has been connected to like a science and so there's like all this very complicated stuff that I mean this is really old stuff you know yeah, it is it is and it has different phases I when I was looking actually when I was making theories about grim folly I I did stumble a little bit into Carl Jung's like work and other people's work because of this like shadow self like um, I don't know what the contrast is like you have this mm. like internal shadow and then you have this like external that's like out and it's it's similar when you think about other framings like astrology you have like sun signs moon signs there are these it's this duality um but it's just really fascinating to think about how that plays out but um yeah so the other thing with philosopher's stone um so there's <laughs> i don't know if i can show this maybe i can just put it on the video but an alchemical symbol for the philosopher's stone i'm gonna try to show a little bit um so it is a circle inscribed into a square inscribed into a triangle inscribed into a circle (laughs) (laughs) so basically it's supposed to represent how um, the four elements of matter interact with the philosopher's stone so the four elements being earth air water and fire And so that stuck out to me because, I mean, well, I don't know. I'm always trying to make connections. So in Wizards Unite, we have these, like, elemental things. And so I was like, well, maybe that's a connection. But then I stumbled upon Pottermore. And actually, so going back to the the main idea with colors, and then I'll switch it back to you to finish (laughs) off the process. um, Colors are important in her her design and um, in, in these, like, little details. So... Colors, just starting with the Hogwarts houses, they Mm. are the four primary colors of the houses are supposed to represent the four elements. Mm -hmm. So we have Gryffindor, red, well, red and gold, that's fire, Slytherin, green and silver, water, Hufflepuff, yellow and black, soil to the earth, Ravenclaw, blue and bronze, sky and eagle feathers to air. So like just starting there, there's this idea, there's this intentionality there. And also in this same article on Pottermore, she's talking about um, 
colors and having a nod to alchemy. So specifically two characters she names, and you've already named um, a couple of these characters. Hmm. Rubius Hagrid is meant to be red. Hmm. Albus Dumbledore is meant to be white. Hmm. And then we'll meet another character later on who is meant to be black. But these things are actually part of, I think, this larger across series thing that might be happening to Harry as well. Yes, yes. Well, Dumbledore is interesting. I mean, because he also plays a huge role in Harry being separated in the first place, having this break, right? Like, uh, he doesn't know that he's magical because Mm -hmm. of Dumbledore, essentially. And then I think it's a major turning point here, the mirror, right? The mirror chapter Mm-hmm. is for me where Harry in this story, and I agree with you, it does cycle in some of the other stories, if not the entire thing. We debated not doing alchemy until the yeah, end of the yeah. seventh <laughs> book, but I think it just fits too well here, and yeah. it's titled the way it is. Um, yes, so after the illumination, right, so he's got the wand. The third stage here, uh, Citronidas, okay, mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways you can find this. So you you might have found other websites with different names. So mm-hmm. if people think it's different names, that's great. Um, but the idea is that it represents education. So that it's not just that you're illuminated to the fact that your your magical self exists. It's that you actually can educate around that existence and around the communication between you know the shadow self and your your I don't know what the other mm-hmm. word is either, but uh, yeah, so what do I have here? So the connections between conscious and magical self uh, become self-directed and responsive to others. So Harry starts developing friendships. He hasn't had friendships before. And I think it's not, or at least none that are mentioned. And I think it's not a surprise that uh, it's with magical people, Hermione and Ron, who represent a lot to Harry. But they give him this relationship where he can express his magical self now and the connections that he has, they are also interested in those connections. They will also help him forge them if he wants them to. But I think the mirror is sort of the peak of this uh, stage here of education where Harry has to confront, to me, the part of his unconscious self that is probably the most repressed, which is his parents, right? And the, the hole that that has left in him. You know, I think there's a lot going on with him being magical, but more than anything, it's that he doesn't feel complete. And part of the reason I think he doesn't feel complete is because he's been lied to about what has happened to his parents. So, yes, he kind of knows, but it's not until the mirror where he has to literally look at himself, Mm -hmm. a possibility of what his life could have been like, except for that the past has happened and now he's having to learn and all this stuff. And so Dumbledore comes along. And in sort of the the most direct teaching that, that Dumbledore will do, uh, which is still not that direct, is sort of, uh, you know, Harry, you could waste away here pining for something that will never be real. Uh, the, the, what you see in the mirror can never happen. So you need to make a choice here, and I'm going to help you on that choice, which is, don't go after something that will never happen 
go after something that could happen. The friendships that you've been developing, becoming a wizard, becoming somebody who stands up for things that you believe in, and living future-oriented rather than past-oriented. And in some ways, I think he's getting at, like, you know, your parents probably would want you to do that too. They wouldn't really want you to, you know, uh, break here in front of this mirror. And yes, I'm sure they would wish to be with you as well. But if that's not possible, what are the things that are possible? The destiny that you're going to be able to communicate with now, if you want to, things will stop only happening to you. You will be able to do things Mm -hmm. to the fate that is in front of you. And so I think it's right at that moment where the three kind of setup stages really break open space for the final stage, which is about transformation. Do you want to talk now or should I finish up with um, this idea? It just going back, um, so on Pottermore in this, this is a second article. Um, so red and white are mentioned many times mm. in old texts on alchemy. This is writing by J.K. Rowling. One interpretation is that they represent two sides of human nature, which must be reconciled, which is kind of like, it sounds like what you're talking about as well. Um, and she said, this is was the inspiration for the Christian names of Rubius, Red, Hagrid, and Albus, White, Dumbledore. So those two colors, red mm-hmm. and white. These two men, both hugely important to Harry, seem to me to represent two sides of the ideal father figure he seeks. Mm. The former is warm, practical, and wild. The latter, impressive, intellectual, and somewhat detached. And so I think that's also important. I mean, going to, so like, I mean, it's not just that you have this, like you're saying, like we have these stages and like people just cycle through. Like you have like, you have nuance as an individual person. Harry is an individual person who has a history, who has experiences, who has things that have happened uh, that he has to deal with. And part of the process is him actually dealing with it. But um, it's interesting to see because also going back to this idea of, grief and processing grief and i mean he has to confront that he lost his parents he he lost like a piece of his knowing himself and now he's trying to discover that and make it it's like he's trying to piece it back and he lost a future right you do Mm. lose something Mm -hmm. serious he loses the possibility and he sees it in the mirror what could have been yeah but i think what you're getting at is that the process here is with the mirror is to say yeah, no, you can you can and should grieve over this thing, but you have a choice here. You can go on and live in their memory, in the memory of what could have been, and try to make something different, something that you otherwise couldn't have done. It's, it's a fascinating relationship here where, like, his destiny and the final confrontation here that happens with Voldemort is so much shaped by the fact that, like, Everything, it just has happened to him. It has happened to him, right? Nobody else is going to be in this position because he he had all these terrible things happen and that makes him, puts him now in a position that nobody else can experience where he can actually change the world, the magical world, in le- like legitimately huge ways. And he does just in this first book. He is like a major, as Dumbledore kind of puts it, like a major protector against what, you know, the the worst instincts of wizards and people in general to be evil. <laughs> Whitson just went crazy on a toy. He He's wants fine. attention. He's fine. <laughs> so the final stage, Rubedo, 
mm-hmm. Rubius. It's red, right? And it focuses on discovering and living out a personal myth. So I think that personal myth here is the idea of the boy who lived, right? Mm-hmm. And so you incorporate meaning and consciousness where you communicate with your destiny and understand it. So in his final or next encounter with the mirror, he has gone through a transformation, or at least he is ready to now be the person who uh, stands up to this. He he is able to get the Philosopher's Stone, which is super, you know, mm-hmm. allegorical, metaphorical right there. How How much, you know, more could she she show us that she's trying to tell us that Harry is has undergone a transformation here. Yeah. He receives the stone. And that he got it and not Voldemort, right. not Quirrell. Somebody not, who is uh, yeah. broken. Yeah. Yes. And so he becomes somebody who embraces being magical, who embraces being able to die, wanting, is okay with it in this scenario. Like, I might die. I don't care. I'm in excruciating pain, right? Touching Quirrell. But I am protecting something just as my parents did before. And so it, it it's a this arc here of like, he doesn't know anything really true about his parents. He doesn't know he's magical. He finds out he's magical. He learns how to direct being magical in ways that he would choose. And then he confronts how does he want to be magical? And then he's given this opportunity to, to play it out, to actually live out uh, being somebody that, you know, he wants to be for the first time really in his life. Mm-hmm. Even though it, you know, it, it uh, involves almost dying. Yeah. 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 So that's what I, that's where I was with the first book and making a connection to this alchemy stuff. What else do you have? Uh, no, just thinking like it's, because it's also, so I'm going back to like the storytelling aspect of it. It's It's not simple either. It's not like, oh, this happens and this happens and this happens and it's nice and clean. Like Harry, Harry is shady and snarky and has fights with Malfoy. And it's like there is this kind of like teetering where it's not as, I mean, we assume like, oh, he's our main character. He's like the chosen one. He's like mm-hmm. the good guy. But like he he doesn't have to turn out that way. Totally. He doesn't have to make those choices. Totally. Um, so it's very interesting to think about. I mean, this is, it is, it's, it's really going from like someone who seemed to be passively existing in abuse or neglect or whatever to someone taking charge of their own life. And their own self. And it's, could it be a better setup than for the second book where like, yes, his journey of transformation isn't over. It'll never be over here. He's mm-hmm. got to, he he now, it seems like he's gone through this huge character arc and he's going to stand up to Voldemort now. Mm-hmm. And then the second book comes along and forces him again to question everything, right? The mystery of who he is and where he kind of comes from and maybe he knows the right answer, but what if he doesn't? So it opens up all these other chamber of secrets. Yeah. Yeah. But I really liked it. I mean, I didn't, I don't know anything about alchemy. I still really don't. Uh, Just what I read in the past couple of days and a couple months ago, but I, I resonated with me the idea of trying to communicate 
self-transformation and that sometimes the best way I love fantasy and sci-fi because I think they intentionally try to uh, talk about self-transformation in external ways. And that's what fascinates me about them. You put the challenges in the world as characters. The Philosopher's Stone is a character and Voldemort is a character and the mirror is a character and the school is a character. They're physical manifestations of what one person might go through. And then you follow your character, Harry, going through them. And how, how do you interact with these different, you know, ways of being and how you could be different if you made different choices? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, personally, I liked it. I thought it was a, a, a good fit. Yeah. I, I also think that um, we haven't talked a lot about Harry's. I mean, we've talked about Harry's pain, but like Harry physically goes through pain a lot throughout this first book and we'll see it more throughout the series i mean again like the transformation it's not like this nicely planned out thing i think that's that's kind of like where i'm still um setting in is that it's it's messy Mm -hmm. and um i don't know it's it this is why like the journey is it, it is what it is and there's pain there's there's triumph at the end and it seemed like Harry's like oh right yeah everything is great um but it's he's only 11 this is just he the beginning the right yeah 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 and mm-hmm. so i don't know i find it really uh, doing a little bit of reading into this i really like the um just connecting to what humans experience and it's it's interesting because it's it's this thing that seems universal but it's not because there's specificity in everyone's um different transformations or even attempts to Mm -hmm. um it there's a lot that you kind of and especially this idea of reconciling different sides of yourself or aspects of yourself there's a lot of like giving up that has to happen like giving up the Harry Potter that other people see you as and making it sure it might seem that way to the people still on the outside because they're not Harry mm-hmm. but Harry Harry's still not that person he's Just not Harry. that yeah he's not that myth it's something that's new I think yeah. that's the cool thing is it's something completely new it's this negotiated thing um that it's yeah it's not it's not it's not simple (laughs) yeah no it doesn't have to be harry's story either i mean i think by the time we're done with all seven books several of our characters go through some personal transformations more or less overtly in the text but yeah we can see characters start to evolve and go through things Mm -hmm. and uh become something different you know and they're they're on personal journeys harry's is the one we're following Mm -hmm. yeah and it's externalized as kind of this very critical one in the sense that like Voldemort is a kind of epitomizing something mm-hmm. evil, but yeah. Yeah. What I find fascinating about the, the concept of turning any metal into gold mm. is so it's kind of like Harry is the same physical being, you know, mm-hmm. but he's not. Right. And so this is like also, I don't know, like when you go through and you're like, oh, I've changed a lot. But then like you're also like, no, I haven't changed at all because there's certain aspects that you're like, oh, these this is like fundamental to who I am. It's just a very complicated um, thing to think about is like who you are um, and how that is over time. I mean, different theories on identity 
uh, depending on what kind of theory it is, some of it has like a sense of stability, like that is identity or there's like different disagreements about like, is it a developmental thing? Is it something that's like enacted in moments, but there's something to it that, uh, so the question is what makes Harry Potter, Harry Potter? I mean, his material being is still the same, but his his, choices. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. It's, it's serious. Well, wind up saying that at some point in the fifth uh fifth book movie yeah yeah it was a lot it's a i mean it's a and we didn't even get to like talk about nicholas Flamel. yeah what do you have something you want to <laughs> i talk don't about? have anything specific just that like i don't know there's a lot about he, supposedly he became all these things about him became famous or attached to him like hundreds of years after his death so because well, he was still alive well <laughs> <laughs> yeah so my joke my cynical joke was like people have just been impersonating nicholas flamel mm. and just saying that they're him and it's a con yeah <laughs> it's a con job no but i don't know it's just it, it's interesting also this like this idea of having a philosopher's stone being able to live forever and then and then what i don't know right because even Harry has that conversation and that confrontation with Dumbledore and Harry's kind of like, oh, like he's going to die. And so and I mentioned this in that episode, in that chapter of like, it's so interesting to see that Harry and knowing where we're going to end up, you know, years from now, Harry, uh, to even see like, yeah, the transformation is or transformations are not done. If if they'll ever be done, I don't mm-hmm. know. Again, like it's not like We're a final the destination. Game this now is he's got a... his own story going yeah, on there. Yeah, Harry has Harry yeah, has stuff going on. It doesn't end as long <laughs> as you're alive. It's not going to end. You know. Yeah. You're still having conversations with yourself and who who you want to be and the possibilities of who you could be. Which mm-hmm. one do you want to be? You know. You have to make choices and talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm excited though. We did it. Yeah. Book one. I don't know how we're going to be able to label it. Like chapter one doesn't seem to make any sense. (laughs) Story. I guess book one. I don't know if we can call our seasons books. Season one is done though. Season one. We did it. Yeah. All right. So next next week, week. we're going to start with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, dear. We're going to meet Miss Ginny Weasley more Mm -hmm, in depth mm -hmm, than we did before. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. Mr. Lucius. Oh, my gosh. Hate yeah. that guy. Hate that and guy. And Dobby the house elf. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know, let's enjoy him. <laughs> we, can, we can dress up Winston for yeah, an episode. That's right. Little Dobby. Oh, little Dobby Winston. Yeah. Up on the Dobby. top shelf there. Dobby up there. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks, everyone, for joining us. We yeah. really appreciate, you know, everyone's support and the comments are really fun and knowing that people are listening is a surprising and fun thing to have happen. (laughs) And uh, we really look forward to uh, sharing the rest of it with you. Yeah. Over several years. Uh, Until book two. Until book two. Wands Wands ready. ready.